You tune into the Women's Club, and I'm so excited about today's episode. I'm sitting with the one and only Atabile. Um, if you don't know, who actually tells us about, you know, Taxi Fem Freshers, who tells us about um, Tony Fontaine, who tells us about Homecoming Africa, this is the lady right here. I'm so excited. This is Atabile from Homecoming Events. Um, hi, Atabile. Let me let you introduce yourself. Hi, Atabile. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, thank you. Um, so just tell me, actually, what have what is your work with homecoming events, um, and really, what is your contribution in terms of working with the homecoming events team? All right, cool. So um, as you said, I'm Atamile, and everyone calls me Atabs. Um, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm You're all welcome. about women, myself too. So yeah, it's it's really important that we tell our stories. So yeah. basically. I am the head of brand and marketing at Homecoming Events. So I manage our communications in total. I manage how we market the events. I manage how we market other events, other partnerships that we have, um, and how we maintain the brand for the next 12 years because the company has been around for 12 years. So the whole idea Amazing. is to keep it, right? It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea is to keep the company still cool, I guess, for yeah. the next 12 years. So that is, I guess, my job. Um, it's very important for me to, you know, try to make the company as relatable as possible because it does primarily speak to the youth. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we like things and then we hate things tomorrow. So to navigate that space is usually um, very challenging, but it's also very exciting as well. I mean, this is also a very interesting time for businesses, you know, for creatives um, with this pandemic upon us. I mean, how has well, how has um, homecoming events really tried to adapt, you know, and come out of this really trying time and still remain relevant um, without us? I mean, we have to attend events. You know, you host your Tony Fontaine's, you host your homecoming picnic in Africa. You know, how are you still trying to remain relevant, like you said, even when we don't, you know, attend events physically? You know, so it's a really tricky time um, for the entertainment world. People are really yeah. struggling. Um, it's already been almost a month since you yeah. know um, events were cancelled and people postponed a lot of things. We had to postpone quite a number of things as well. So it's very scary all round. And I will get into how difficult it difficult it is for us particularly but I think it's very important to just highlight that everybody is affected and I mean it's scary it's very scary scary. um there was never real job security when it comes to entertainment because you know the game changes all the time but in this case it you cannot blame anyone you cannot blame yourself you cannot say that okay i didn't try hard enough or i didn't understand the market there's just nothing I mean, you, you didn't see it coming yeah and there's nothing you could have done yeah so right now we are going digital we've decided to you know pursue a lot more things online a lot more collaborations online we're keeping our pages yeah. you know updated there's um we've done easter communications we've done um some promotions of some um online projects that we're busy with we are engaging people we've done some instagram lives where some djs have played so you know we're still trying to keep people on the pages and the pages are still growing 
um, which is great. And we appreciate the support that people are still willing to see what we're up to or talk to us yeah. or watch our YouTube page, which is something that is also a project that we're trying to grow. So that will be our main yeah. communication. Those will be our main communication platforms and YouTube being the one that is the smallest, but the one that's growing pretty quickly. I mean, you spoke about getting DJs to, um, you know, I, I remember I watched also there was the Tony Fontaine online edition and I remember I tuned into that actually. And I just kept wondering, you know, how do you actually get profit from that? Is it just from sponsors or, you know, how does it work? Because ultimately you would gain, you know, revenue from ticket sales, etc. So how have you actually been working around that in terms of profit and revenue? So basically... Um you know, brands are still, they still have um, their objectives to meet. So just yeah. like we want to connect with young people as we normally do, they want to do the same. Yeah. So online platforms such as Tony Fontaine Online Edition help in that we're all going to achieve the same thing. So we're yeah. relying heavily on the brand relationships that we're building and the different types of relationships where you know this is something that's new so it's malleable as well for different types of people okay. who want to get involved and that's where that's where we'll probably make money out of it but we're also you know collaborating with different brands and we're trying to use our platforms that are pre-existing and or especially online to you know yeah. push whatever communications they're trying to do and just align our brands and try you know make money yeah that makes sense um so i actually want to talk about a little bit about homecoming africa right and i remember the first time i attended homecoming africa actually was in matric <laughs> and you know my girls and i were ready we were like no we're going to homecoming africa you know we bought tickets um, I remember even we traveled, we went to Fordeca Monument, Kakumbi, mm -hmm. like with the <laughs> whole quantum, you know, it was a serious thing. Um, and that was really exciting. You know, that was a really good time in my life. And I was really, really excited about that. So I just want to know, actually coming from you, um, you know, what are some of the great, what are some of the greatest moments you've had in terms of working with the homecoming events team? Um, you know, what are some of those moments that you'll cherish forever? You know? So for me, your story yeah. is one of those moments. It's always very exciting to, you know, listen to different people's interactions with the brand, yeah. their experiences and how they've come out of it. Sometimes, you know, it might be that maybe people didn't necessarily like to act and they want to tell you that, but that also forms part of it. It's not something you like to hear. Like, oh, I thought yeah. I created this really great. But it's feedback that you can do better with. So that's usually something really great where you actually get real people because, you know, when you're marketing this, you're seeing people as numbers and you're trying to, you know, curate this experience that you think people will like. Sometimes yeah. you may miss it. Sometimes you may, you know, hit the nail right on, you know, um, the spot, but it's to actually speak to a real person and, you know, to put a name to that person and yeah. attach that to the experience is always really special for me. I think 
um the turnouts are usually you know a moment to just breathe out like you know like oh my goodness okay so it happened we did well yeah Yeah. we did great and people actually came so okay cool so it was worth it and it was worth the sleepless nights because you know towards the gig you start to prepare and there's a lot that goes into it and sometimes you you know what goes into what actually goes into some of those preparations can you like give us some insight sure so i'm just going to you know uh, slot in a little promo for our youtube channel it's called okay cool. so it's That's the amazing. homecoming events youtube channel but um we've got this web series that we started called a thousand yeah. megabytes what goes into a gig and the whole idea is to speak to what goes into a gig because we've realized that people don't actually know or people don't understand it and they're very curious yeah. about it and you know yeah. there's this huge influx of young people who want to get into entertainment but they're only seeing entertainment um from certain perspectives so the whole idea is that you either have to be an artist an artist manager or you must be an event organizer whereas there are so many things in between so that series is going to assist us in showing that's amazing all the different types of things but basically what goes into a gig is a lot of preparation you need to find the right venue and in the venue itself there's a lot of politics i mean because we're speaking to black people at the end of the day so um the company you know speaks to black people mostly and young black people so already when you think about a venue you have to consider so many things is it accessible to most people um is it safe which is the biggest thing for us safety is always a huge factor in anything that we do if it's not safe then it's not worth it yeah it's not only about you know, the sustainability of the venue in terms of safety, but also what does it matter if you've compromised so many people? So that venue in itself needs to be accessible. It needs to be safe. It needs to be clean. It needs to be, you know, um, easy to manage. And you need to be able Mm. to bring in all these different elements like the stage, toilets. Oh my goodness. And enough toilets. (laughs) You know, enough toilets enough yeah. toilets it's a really big deal um, it's always a disaster when the line is so long yes and now you're missing enough a, toilets. a whole gig because you're standing yeah. in line at the toilet and it's just like okay what was the point so yeah. you know there's a lot of that all that planning and then you have to you know get your event accredited I guess that's that's a right for lack of a better word accredited with the municipality so it's called okay. jock so you apply for jock and they basically give you a checklist and in that checklist you need to make sure there's everything that they gave you on the checklist so it goes okay. from you know um a letter from the saps that acknowledges your gig and they how said, long does all this take you know how long how long is the time to, so gain, you, to get these letters and everything so it's best to have your whole jock file done a okay. month before because okay. i mean a month before minimum if you can help it obviously there's a lot of things that you need to confirm and you know your suppliers may take long or you may struggle to find different supplies but it it's very important to have it done within a month so that cuz sometimes they the municipality may have a backlog so they might take 2 weeks to approve it or not yeah. and yeah. if you don't even have you know two pair or well two two week periods i guess to be able to you know have the file sent back and they say maybe 
you're missing this and you're missing that and then you can at least quickly fix it then they say okay cool or if you don't have enough time and you send it in too late and then they might deny your gig so now you yeah. sold tickets you've told you've marketed you've told people this is happening it's a big disaster exactly mm. so that i think is one of the biggest things that are you know not necessarily in your control that you always have to try to you know prepare for the most and then yeah. you know it's just infrastructure as well where are people going to sit is there shade um uh, okay we've spoken toilets are there enough yeah. bars will people be waiting long in the line um do you have a stage yeah. what 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 is your lineup for the day have you booked enough artists and if it's not necessarily about artists how do you keep people entertained the whole time do you have stores do you have interactive activities is it for children is it not for yeah. children if it is for children how do you make sure that children are not necessarily buying alcohol or oh, you know yeah. exactly so there's a there's a lot of different things that go into a gig um but basically you just have to plan months in advance so that all these things are prepared way before mm. so you're not rushing and that's what usually happens you, you know you miss a few things and now in the last week you're just trying to put anything together yeah on a scale of 1 to 10 actually on the day of a gig or an event like what how stressed are you usually Well, um <laughs> so it depends on the scale of the gig. I think Homecoming Africa is the one that stresses me the most because it's obviously mm. our biggest um event. Uh yeah. so on that day it's usually like a 9. <laughs> um and okay. then it comes <laughs> But I also I I panic. I do panic um sometimes. Yeah. and it comes down throughout the day so as i see people walking in as i see cuz you know we're getting into the practice of things the uh, events like Sunday Fun Day that we do monthly force yeah. us to be on our toes all the time so you'll never forget something like toilets because you're doing this every month all the time yeah mm. so bars yeah and um, bars staff toilets uniforms you know all those important things that are easily missed it's very hard to yeah. miss because we're doing this all the time so once i see that the event is running then i start to calm down then you know then it's just about managing everything you've already prepared but it's also great, great to work with a great team because they hold you accountable so yeah we all are responsible for different things but if i see that one of my teammates ha- may have forgotten something or ask hey what's going on with this and they're like oh snap okay. we actually have not sorted that out so we do keep each other accountable so i think that helps a lot and then you know i'm actually interested in knowing i mean back like a few years like a couple of more than a couple actually way <laughs> before it was homecoming picnic yeah you know and then um i don't know i think it was 20 maybe 2016 2017 it became homecoming africa there was a transition b- between picnic and africa do correct yeah. me if i'm wrong um but you know why that transition and you know why that choice actually to move from picnic to homecoming africa so the f- last homecoming picnic was in 2015 and then the first homecoming okay. africa was in 2016 where okay. um we had ot genesis was kid um 
a lot of really big artists. I that is amazing. Yeah, um, that is big amazing. Nas, Babes Odumo in her prime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of different artists were there um, back in 2016, and that was the first one. So basically, what influenced the change was growth. So Homecoming Picnic, as it had been known, had run from 2008 until yeah. 2015 which was the last one and by 2000 that was a long time that's exactly and by 2015 yeah. it was about 16,000 people who came so now you've reached you know your peak and there's this thing that was great and it ran really long but you don't want it to ever now stop being yeah. a great thing because you've let it run its course you know um yeah or more than that, in fact, because it had run its course and it was time for something new and to understand where entertainment is moving or rather where um, musical entertainment is moving in terms of mm. eventing spaces. How do you preempt the change? Because on one side, you've got municipalities everywhere saying there are no more cooler boxes. So now if you lose the whole cooler box oh, element. Yeah. So if you lose the whole cooler box element, how do you tell me it's still a picnic? Because now I can't bring anything in and you're going to tell me that I need oh, to yeah. buy from the bar, but it's a picnic. Which picnic have you ever bought things and then sat down with them, you know? So things were moving in a different... That's interesting. Yeah. So things were moving in a different direction. So you need to preempt that, understand that, and slowly get people into the idea of it because as soon as you make that switch too abruptly where you've let people get comfortable with something, then you're yeah. met with a lot of, you know, um, pushback. And we were, we, it was definitely very difficult because we were one of the first really large events to then turn around and people thought that it was something that we were doing you know, are now, oh, no, we maybe decided that, you know, cooler boxes weren't cool anymore or we wanted to make more money. That's what I actually thought. Yeah. So I'm not going to lie, I'm learning so much because I genuinely thought, um, you know, event companies just ban cooler boxes because they want to make more money, you know, buy their bars and everything. So this is something new that I'm learning. No, it's, it, it really didn't come from that. There's actually um two levels of, um, I guess red tape that event organizers um, were experiencing in that change because not yeah. only is it the municipality but all these alcohol brands that you want to collaborate with also say if people are bringing in mm, their own alcohol then there's no benefit for me to be involved and now if you can't get brands involved then your ticket price must go even higher and high yeah, yeah. and I mean it's not like the economy is getting better or consumers are comfortable with paying more consumers are still yeah. you know it's been like 10 years i think of tickets generally being 100 rand 150 50 yeah yeah but that's 10 years and it's not like artists are saying oh it's only okay it's been 10 years you can't change yeah. your ticket price so we're not going to change our prices guys are still moving um, the average hip hop artist, if it's one of the big ones, is charging like 120,000 yeah. rand. That's just one per person gig. per gig, just them alone. So that's insane, exactly. So they're still going up, even though that's already a huge number, but you're not allowed to change your ticket price. So now you're just met with all these things 
So ultimately, you have to move away from the cooler box thing because one, you're going to get shut down because a municipality doesn't deem it safe. So um, the jock file I had referenced earlier, if you say that you're bringing in cooler boxes, now um, the tricky thing with that is what's the venue like? Is it grass? If it's grass, then you can't have glass Okay, if you class, yeah, yes. and then also, how do you know people won't hurt each other with the, you know? It's just a lot of different things. So that and when people get drunk, exactly. obviously there are more precautions you have to you know put exactly. Up. So mm. all those things just it just wasn't conducive to an event growing. So we had to make the change from cooler boxes, but also you know we're very pan-African and we believe in growing African music and not just South African music, just Africa as a whole. So that change also spoke to incorporating a lot more African music and growing this event, possibly even outside of our borders. So I think Mm. it just was the right time to try something new. And obviously it's not the concept on its own is not necessarily as big as homecoming picnic was because homecoming picnic was, um, it was just different. It was a beast of its own. I think it was unrivaled for a very long time in terms of big events. And a lot of events came from that. Um, I mean, I heard about homecoming picnic in high school, Yeah, same. but obviously, you know, (laughs) yeah, I couldn't go. Exactly. You know, same. So, um, You know, it was just this huge thing. And, you know, you have to know when to, like, winners know when to quit. So it wasn't necessarily quitting, but it's to change and try something new and still become the person shifting the culture or the event company shifting the culture because you shifted Mm. things when you started this thing, but you can't end up now being behind. So you have to make that shift again. And people are understanding the shift now that, you know, more people are getting into it. I mean, people don't necessarily know why and all those, the red tape I spoke about, but they've accepted that this is how it is, which is sad to an extent, because as a consumer, I want to know why things happen. But um, people are understanding that it is different now. And, you know, we're getting into festival culture. The next step now is to teach black people how to camp at festivals. And we'll do it. And, you know, we'll introduce things like rocking the daisies. Exactly. And opi kopi, you know, and we'll do it. And we'll, you know, get used to it. And these that's very interesting, especially for us black people. You know, us black people, we really... You know, that one is a little, mm, it's a mm, tricky one. It's still, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's still one of those things. Um, but, you yeah. know, we'll get into it and we'll learn about it. I mean, we, we had um, Sun City, the 5FM yes, media break that we yes. did last year. And I think, the, yeah. you know, using the momentum of Tony Von Day and people, you know, are starting to get into the idea of going away. And, you know, staying a whole weekend mm. at group. And, yeah, that was one way to test it. And it worked out really well. People really enjoyed it. But, I mean, Sun City, though, <laughs> is, you know, it's a hotel. It's, it's not exactly camping. Lavish. But I must know, at yeah. least entice you to, like, move around and drive a bit away. And yeah, then I we'll see. work on mm. you sleeping in a tent. Step by step. step, by step. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. 
you know, one thing actually that you mentioned and that I have to commend homecoming events for, especially is unapologetically creating black spaces and celebrating black spaces, you know, just gathering as black people and doing what we yeah. do and nobody judging us for that. So I really have to commend um, homecoming events for that, you know, but what I want to ask you now is, you know, how do you actually keep, you know, keep checking you know yourself keep checking the company at large that actually you know what we're still here um and creating a space for black people by black people you know how is it is it something that comes natural or do you have to actually keep checking yourselves are we still on track you know or are we actually losing the plot a little bit like talk me through that a little bit so it's it's a mixture of a lot of things i think everyone who works for the company you know feels a personal connection to it so once it starts to look unfamiliar you internally will question it and try you'll you'll be checking yourself Mm. but then as a company you know it's hardly ever there's hardly ever a situation where we you know um where we pursue different projects without team input so it's, okay. it's unlikely for me to ever wake up and something has happened and I didn't necessarily know about it. Or, okay. you know, um, obviously there'll be ideas that may float and then you'll find out about it, but you're always welcome to say, but that doesn't sound right. Or I don't yeah. think that's a good idea. And then you have the opportunity yeah. to justify why everyone gets to think about it. And then, you know, we figure out a way forward. But then also we have, you know, an internship program where younger people get to come into the company and they spend a year moving between the different departments. So one of our departments is strategy and sponsorship, um, which is how we work, where we work with different brands and those are where the relationships lie. And then there's my department, brand and marketing. Then there's the events, there's government, where we have our government um, relationships as well as um, I business development which one of the founders uh heads up so they move between those departments and they get to share their input so not only do you have our opinions but you also have the opinions of people younger than you who can foresee where the culture is moving towards or what they're doing at university or what's happening on the streets i guess so they kind of keep you accountable like that is so whack or how about you guys yeah we or not even you guys they say how about we try this and you get to because you are exactly and you sit on it and you think about it and you say you know that's a great idea i actually didn't see it that way so those are the kinds of different ways that we you know hold each other accountable and we try to keep the spaces as authentically black as possible but also you know, inclusive. So yes. we're not going yes. to explicitly say it's for X, Y, Z people, but make mm, people comfortable there. Everyone should feel like they can be a part of it. You need to have different types of people on your lineups all the time so that the consumers see themselves there. There's no way that yeah. I can go to Tony Fontaine and I've never seen women playing there. That, I think, is yeah. one of the things that, you know, has set Tony Fontaine apart because you have to go out into the streets and keep finding new artists. You have to find new women. You have to find new queer artists. All these different types of people yes. to make the lineup 
different and to make the spaces inclusive so that I can sit there and say, okay, I'd go to that event because, wow, okay, who is Zayn Maya? Who's Dibben Gogo? And I mean, Dibben Gogo is an example of someone who literally her first gig was Tony Fontaine and now she is bigger. I mean, look at her now. She's huge. But if you don't have the willingness to give people those opportunities and let different types of people play and you want to keep the same 10 men on your lineups and you'll never have those stories. You'll never have mm. people say that Absolutely. was my first time ever seeing that person and look at where they are because it makes it a personal experience as well. So I think that's where the company, you know, differentiates itself in making the spaces authentically black. It's not only, it's not enough to just be black anymore. You yeah. need to be in- inclusive in a whole in different types of ways as well and make people comfortable being there, not just because they're black. That is amazing. Um, you spoke about Tony Fontaine yeah. a bit, you know, and before we even like get into the technicalities, I actually mm-hmm. want to ask guys, why do the tickets finish <laughs> so quickly? Yeah. I'm, I always cry. I, swear, <laughs> I always cry. Um, always, you know, I always, always cry about that. I've only been to two. So in 2019, I mean, I've been to two Tony Fontaine's, but you know, it's always a struggle, you know, buying tickets. So actually I want you like to debunk that myth, you know, to debunk these, these <laughs> things that people have in their head. Why do tickets finish so quickly? So basically Tony Fontaine's maximum capacity is 1,300 people. So that's including DJs yeah. and their plus people, our sponsors and the different types of partnerships that we have. Um, so yeah. that's 1,300. However, the people who are on the website trying to buy tickets are about 5,000. Yes. Um, so our website is able to, you know, tally all of those users and it's about 5,000 people. So there was yeah. no way everyone was going to get them because the space doesn't allow for that. So that is literally the only reason is that, you know, it doesn't matter how many times we try to, you know, increase the space on the website. We've worked yeah. with Howler. They get a heads up before we sell. They try to also open up their spaces, but it's just the demand is far greater than the supply. So not everybody okay. will make it, which is unfortunate because obviously you want everyone to experience it, but it takes away from the experience if we were to, you know, make it too big or, you know, change the venues too yeah, full. Exactly. Also. It's just uncomfortable mm. now. So people don't have places to yeah. sit. Then it just changes their entire experience. And the greed or wanting to sell that many tickets just isn't worth it because within four months, you're going to have even less than you know, maybe half what the capacity was because now you've chased away people because you've compromised the experience. So we're very big on experiences. Our events aren't only just about, you know, having people there. It's about what the experience is like. So we take criticism from toilets to music to seating. That's amazing. It's it's all very important. Yeah, it is. Um, and then just tell me a little bit about is planning Tony Fontaine obviously because it's on a smaller scale. Is it planning? Is is the planning a bit easier than your bigger gigs, or you know, is it still the amount, the same amount of stress and anxiety? It's or, you know, so much easier because you know we've gotten into the practice yeah. of it. Um, it's 
there's always some anxiety because you want to do better than last month. So I think the last time I think we do yes. it to ourselves. It's just our own pressure where we say, okay, we must maintain a certain level of excellence, and people must never feel Absolutely. like. And you have. <laughs> Thank you, and you have. People must never feel like you know it's yeah. gone downhill. It must always be like everyone is each one is better than the last one so there's that pressure however the planning is much easier it doesn't take as much time and as much effort as a homecoming africa does because of the scale so that's also that also helps if we had you know increased the scale then we might take too long planning and then the event is not as great as it could be so i think it's a work it's a good working formula um and it just, you know, keeps us in the practice of eventing. And I think I appreciate that about it the most. But it's not it's not as difficult. No, not at all. Okay, that is amazing. And shout out, you know, Thank shout you. out to everything that you guys do. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then last thing that you, well, you touched on this a bit earlier, but this is the last thing I really want to talk about is the internship program. You know, I think that is amazing. You know, you're taking, basically taking students, mm. you know, and getting them into the practice of working and getting them into the practice of executing major, major gigs. And that's amazing. Um, you know, but one thing I actually want to ask you is in terms of the application process, you know, where does one apply if there is, you know, if there is one, where does one apply and what is your role actually in ensuring, you know, great growth for these interns? So uh, there is an application process. Um, we take about yeah. six people, sometimes seven, depending on the capacity that the uh, company has at well that year. Um, yeah. Applications usually open around December, close in January. And then okay. we, you know, yeah. do our selection processes. Um, usually we serve people out depending on, you know, the provinces they live in. Obviously, it doesn't make sense yeah. if you live in the Western Cape. Um, we do encourage people yes. from Gauteng to apply. But, you know, the country is in a lot of Absolutely. You know, trouble. Yeah. Shambles. So you'll always get people. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. They just want to get anything by any means. But I mean, obviously, if you're from the yeah. Western Cape and you're going to study in Gauteng, then it's different. Um, but yeah, yeah, we basically, you know, sift through people depending on their interests. We meet quite a. How many people usually apply? Well, you know, what's about your total? 1,500, I think I can say. So. Mm, that's a lot. Exactly. And you pick six. And it must be a difficult process. Difficult. Um, you're saying no yeah. to about 1,400 and. 94 people yeah. and those are people who want jobs and you have no idea why they need those jobs unless you know they're coming to yeah. interviews so we do try to refer people where we have contacts or like someone who's just done their masters in whatever if we're able to if we yeah. know someone or if we know how to direct them then we'll try to direct them in the direction yeah. of what they actually want to do um where we can um because a lot of the time it's that people just they need a job for anything and also it won't serve either of us if you don't actually even want to be there you're just looking for a job so if we can find you a place where you would be of better value then you know we try to do that as well but obviously these things are much bigger than we are but um yeah, yeah it's basically just you know six people who get to rotate in the company learning about eventing marketing you know, some finance work, um, you understand, you know, some tender procurement, how to work with, 
yeah so there's a lot of different skills that you can learn and also just time management um you know if you're a student you kind of figure out how to because they're not really expected in the office that much it's probably like once or twice a week who work remotely or they'd work remotely um you work on projects more than anything and event days so it's just how to manage your time how to you know be responsible like don't go out on a saturday if there's kind of event the next day you know just yeah it's just yeah. you know that opportunity to kind of um usher you into the working world because i think sometimes it's quite a shock you're in varsity and you go to school and all the stuff and then boom you're at work and it's yeah. so different so um yeah it's just an opportunity to kind of get used to working that's amazing. Um, and then lastly, do can you share maybe any advice or any insight for someone who's perhaps trying to, you know, maybe create their own events company or, you know, maybe get into the branding space for an events company? Can you share, you know, so a little bit of advice for someone perhaps, you know, in your shoes when you were, you know, a bit younger? <laughs> um, sure. So you know? I think for me... And it's kind of general advice, but something I've learned is, yeah. you know, you must always be solving a problem. So it's yeah. not that you must create a problem in order to solve it because that doesn't really make sense. But you need to assess the spaces that you're interested in and see what is lacking. Once you can learn how to do that and how to spot where you can add value, I think that usually, yeah. you know, helps. That's usually step one in anything is what I've noticed. So even when you do branding work, you know, what is the problem? What is your client's problem? What are they lacking? Oh, they're yeah. lacking access to the youth market. Okay, cool. We can do that. Do they need access online? Oh, cool. Do they need access, you know, on campuses? Do they need access um, yeah. through eventing? What What are you lacking? And, you know, once you get into the business of problem solving, you'll hardly ever struggle because you get to see opportunities anywhere. And someone who's able to see opportunities is always going to be ahead of everyone else because they're not waiting. And I think that's that's my advice. Um, Just get into the business of solving problems and you will probably be okay. That is amazing. You are <laughs> Thank amazing. You. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I mean, it gets, time with, it gets you know, lonely everyone. during this lockdown. So <laughs> Exactly. We need someone to talk to. I appreciate to. you <laughs> calling me up. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Once again, thank you. Um, should we look out for anything? Should we follow you on any socials? You know, you did talk about the web series. I think that is probably the one thing to look out for. I think thing. it's going to be the best cool. way to engage us as a company and you get to know everyone behind cool. the scenes. Um, I think I'm the loud mouth, so okay, cool. I usually attract a lot of attention, but Everyone else, okay. everyone else has a lot to offer too. So I think that's, it's called A Thousand Megabytes, What Goes Into a Gig on okay. YouTube. And it's on the Homecoming Events YouTube page. That is amazing. Thank, Thank you. you so much once again. Um, that was Atabile on the Women's Club. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you gained a lot of insight. But thank you so much once again. Um, stay tuned into the Women's Club. We have many other interviews coming up. Um, but this is just one of amazing and phenomenal women that we have 
on the series. So thank you so much. And I'll see you next time.